0: Thank you, uh, Natalie, for that introduction. I already feel very encouraged this morning, actually. Um, the prophetic words that uh, Bonnie brought, that Judy brought, it was almost, you know, some of the words that you'll see come up on the slides were words that came out of their mouth. So I feel really encouraged that God wants to speak to us from the Psalms this morning. I've been really enjoying the Psalms series that we've been doing over the summer. Uh, if you're visiting and you missed some of the earlier ones, you can go and listen to them online. But it's been great, hasn't it, to read through the psalms of the the intimate relationships that the psalmists had with their God, crying to God, you know, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be continually on my mouth. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. And it's just great to get those insights into how the psalmist responded to God. But also, of course, in, in the psalms, we know we see the whole sort of sweep of the psalmist's life, don't we? David, who wrote many of the psalms, after he uh, sinned with Bathsheba, this woman that he went and had sex with, her, then had her husband killed, it's real sort of heady stuff sometimes, what the Bible tells us, but he came back to God in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. My sin is ever before me. The honesty of being at rock bottom. Psalm 69 Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sleep in deep mire where there is no foothold. I come into deep waters and the floods sweep over me. This is real honest talk to God. And actually, out of that, the psalmist then encourages himself with God's promises and knows that even in that black place, in that difficult place, God will meet him. And I think there's so much in here for us. You know, sometimes we feel a bit like that, don't we? We feel it's up to our neck. And yet, actually, we can follow the example of the psalmist. We can come back to God, come back into that relationship that he wants to restore to us. The psalm I wanted to look at today is Psalm 139. It's a psalm that was written by David. It's a psalm that reflects David's heart towards God, how how David knew his God, but also knew that his God knew him, knew everything about him, every thought, every word, every action. God knew it intimately. And it's coming from that place of knowledge that is, I think, one of the secrets to the relationship that God, uh, that David had with his God. And so what I want to do is we look into that psalm today is for us to think now actually how can I apply this into my life my relationship with God how can it be changed as we look at the truths written in this psalm so we're going to read the psalm together Um, Psalm 139 should come up behind me I think um, and we'll go right through I'll read it to you Oh Lord you have searched me and known me you know when I sit down cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's Hades, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, And the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. It's a brilliant story, isn't it, of just how the David interacts with his God. We're going to look first at the key thre- uh, theme that runs through of just how David knew himself, known by God. So the first full verses again. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. I wonder how it makes you feel to know that God knows all about you. Every thought, every heart, emotion, every word. I don't know, how do you feel? Do you feel frightened? Do you feel ashamed? Do you feel encouraged? I think there can be a whole mix of emotions and probably rightfully so. It's easy, isn't it? On one level, on this earth here, we can put on a bit of a show come to church, put on our Christian faith. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing all right. And sometimes we have to do it like that, don't we? But actually, they wouldn't want to see what I'm really like. They wouldn't want to see what's going on really inside. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. When those ideas are forming in my mind, when I'm thinking what I'm going to say, God knows those angry words at the kids, that inappropriate joke, that lustful thought. God knows them completely. I was reminded of Adam and Eve, and you know the story in Genesis chapter 3 where the serpent comes to Eve and tempts her to take the fruit from the tree in the garden, the tree that God had said, don't eat from this. And she uh, persuaded her husband to eat as well from the tree, And what did they then do? They went and hid, didn't they? They went and hid from God. You ever thought how ridiculous that is? You know, if you're going to play peekaboo, you don't actually choose the all-seeing, all-knowing God in order to uh, hide from, didn't you? I wonder when God said, where are you? Whether he really didn't know where they were or whether it was a just chance to call them out to see themselves. But I was just kind of struck with that. It was just... You know, the thought that they would hide. It's like a child, isn't it? You know, um, you know, a little child. You know, I can't see you, so you can't see me as they stand behind a couple of blades of grass and you have to pretend that you can't see them and walk around the field a few times. But it's as ridiculous that as that on one level. We have to play along, don't we, with the child? But in God's case, it's a kind of sober thing, really. And I wonder, some of us, we do that, do behave like that really you know those little areas of my life oh that's that's just my little indulgence i'll just keep that a little bit out of sight yeah god you don't you don't need to get too worried about what's going over, on over there i don't need to submit that to god maybe for some of us there's been secret stuff that maybe we've had hidden for a long time Again, maybe we came to Jesus, but somehow, I just hang on to that bit. It's just too painful to have that dealt with by God. Maybe even today, God will be prompting you. Just about areas of your life where you haven't quite let him come in, do what he needs to do to work through that. You know, don't you, God is a loving father. He only wants to do good to you. He only wants to come and to bless you. And some of even those darkest areas is is where God wants to work. And you know why it's so important, don't you? It's because as we come to God, if we've still got those areas that we're just kind of holding back in, that prevents the openness that we need to enjoy and really experience that relationship that God wants to have with us. Some of you know I've got uh, four children and my oldest uh, daughter Sarah lives up in the Shetland Isles which uh yeah for German people and other foreigners is way off the top of Scotland it's hardly even imaginable how far away it is takes longer than I think getting to Australia certainly the way we go anyway um but anyway so Jason and Sarah live up there and um we were ha- I was up there with with Sarah and her husband Jason uh, back in July and uh, it happened to be their 15th wedding anniversary and uh just, we were sort of talking about, um, you know, the kind of their wedding and what their marriage journey had been. And, um, I said to Jason, you know, well, what are the, what are the best bits about your marriage? Well, Jason is a great guy. He's a great hearted guy. I, I love the guy. Um, he's always for people. He'll always do the best for them. But, you know, he's a guy with his flaws like we all are, you know. And, um, yeah i won't name his flaws to you but um he has flaws as as we all do but you know he said the greatest thing for me is that sarah loves me unconditionally you know she loves him in spite of the flaws you know she sees the whole lot it's not that she doesn't see it she's not conscious of it but actually she loves him for the whole package if you like it's not even that she ignores the flaws you know if there are things that are kind of uh, going a bit wrong with Jason. You know, Sarah will be the first one to put a hand on his shoulder and say, hey, Jace, just let's just calm down a bit here. But her love for him is unconditional. It takes account of all of that whole range of things. It knows his heart. It knows his heart and actually loves him unconditionally. And marriage is often a picture of how God looks at us. And I think just... For me it was a helpful thought you know just that unconditional love that god reaches out to us we don't need to be afraid of god we don't need that, to fear that if we let him into those secret areas those hidden areas those areas that we've just kept back that he's going to be harsh with us that he's going to deal cruelly with us someone said the word guilt and absolutely today is not about condemnation about guilt but it's actually about god calling us in to a deeper relationship with him, calling us in to a greater sense of openness and knowing his grace upon our lives. For David, that was the, the knowledge that God knew him was a liberating knowledge. Nothing I have is hidden from you. I can be completely open with you, my God. And as we've said earlier, not because he was a perfect guy, in fact, He was a pretty awful guy sometimes. But actually, his heart was after God. And he knew that he could rely on God to love him, to accept him, and to welcome him. And I was just reflecting on that. And and what makes the difference from when we think about God knowing us, from that being a a fearful thing to being something that we can rejoice in? And primarily, it's about the character of God. It's about knowing God who God is and just four areas that I thought I'd highlight in terms of the way that God looks at you firstly God's love for you is unconditional isn't it we know this well he didn't wait for you to be good enough to reach out to you and draw him to himself if he'd done that for for any of us we'd never be coming to him God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't have to make ourselves good enough for God. We can come to him just as we are. And as we do, it's not that God wants to condemn us, but he raises things that are in the way of our relationship in order that we can deal with them, in order that we can become free from those things, and that our relationship can come into the fullness that he would want for it. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, not to bring guilt, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's amazing, isn't it? You know that when our sins are dealt with, God remembers them no more. He chooses not to remember them. Now we're, if you're like me, you often sort of, thoughts go back, oh, crumbs, yeah, I screwed up there, that wasn't so clever, was it? But God chooses not to remember them anymore. They are behind us. They don't need to interfere. They don't need to be into our relationship again. God forgets them. And finally, God created us individually and uniquely. We can always compare ourselves, can't we? Oh, you know, if I was like Joe and Phil, well, then it will be okay. You know, if I was like Dan and Tamara, then I'd be all right. But no, actually, God has made us each individually and uniquely, the people that we are. We don't need to be ashamed of that as we come to God. We can stand before him with open hearts. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made. But again, as we heard in the words that came this morning, we do know that we have an opponent, don't we? We know the evil one speaks lies to us. Oh, no, you're not good enough. You're never going to be any good for that bringing condemnation, pushing us down. And we need to recognise that. And we need to declare truth to ourselves of the love of God for us. We need to stand on the word. We need to know that as we come to God, we can come to that place of complete openness with him. And just one little final thought on just God knowing us. The fact that God knows us means also that God knows just what you need when you need that word of encouragement, when you need that blessing, when you're feeling down. God knows. Sometimes we'll come to one so person where we say, oh, just give me a hug. I, I, I think I'm probably quite a touchy-feely sort of person. Or oh, just give me a hug. I just need a, a hug at this point. Or maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's oh, acts of service, all these things that we talk about as love languages. But somehow God knows exactly what we need, how to meet us. It's amazing, isn't it, that God just looks to bless us and do us good in every circumstance. Our second point is about the God who pursues us. Did you notice again that Bonnie used that word today? God pursues us. We'll look at the the verses from verse 5 again. I'll just read them to you to remind you. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me if I say surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night even the darkness is not dark to you the night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you you surround me with your love in front and behind I told you about that journey up to Shetland and we have to go on this funny little plane and we took Jason's mum who's 80 um, something and uh, doesn't walk so well I think had her ankles welded up or something um so she she doesn't walk so well so we're coming down the plane steps and there's there's me in front ready to catch her there's lorraine behind sort of encouraging her on and to me it was just like a picture of that you know god hems us in in front and behind ready to catch us when we fall but also just kind of encouraging us down there come on you've got to get off the plane you've got to face it you've got to do that difficult thing in front and behind that was a great picture that uh, god takes us and glorious thought isn't it god is with us wherever we are even in these shetland isles and i've told you how far away they are you know we even in the shetland isles god is with us if i take the wings of the morning the uttermost parts of the sea god is still with us now when i was talking to her about what i was talking about today she said well yeah for me when i was in a bad place to god i took myself off to china I thought, it's not even a Christian country. It's miles away. Nobody knows me. But even there, that actually was where God encountered her. And I think after kind of five years of uh, being in a bad place, God brought her back to himself. The uttermost parts of the sea, God is still with us. Verse 7 says, where shall I go from your spirit? And the answer is, we can't flee from God's spirit. Those things that God wants to highlight, he will bring to the surface sometimes we'll have people come to church and you know you can see that they're they're carrying things and as you the conversation goes on you feel them getting a little bit more uncomfortable and well yeah okay thanks it's been nice to be here but um not sure i'm gonna be coming back and you just feel that sometimes god are just people are just running on from god in one sense we can't hide from god but that's because God's kindness, as Jeremy said last week, is to bring us to repentance. He wants to bring us back into that relationship with him. It's the character of God, isn't it? That means that when he, he has us in that place, when he's enough to remind us of those things that he wants us to deal with, actually we can come to him and know his compassion and love. It's a place of protection and reassurance for us. Move on down through the passage and come back to verse 13. It's the God who has created us. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I awake, and I'm still with you. We see the same sort of thought in Jeremiah chapter 1, and verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. God made you just as you are. At verse 16, if I read it from the New Living Translation, your eyes saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And I wonder, don't you, I was just musing, you know, that at that point God had the opportunity to intervene, didn't he? I'll just do a little bit of fine-tuning on Sarah here. We're, you know, I'm not sure about this bit. We'll just tune that out, add a little bit more here. No, God made you just as you are. The essence of who you are, who you really are created and designed by God. Now, I know we live in a fallen world where there's sickness, there's pain, there's things that, you know, sometimes we cry out to God, please God, heal and restore, and things don't seem to get better. And all I can say really is that as you live to glorify God and the things that, that you have, that actually there is huge glory that comes to him. Some of you were here last week when we had Jeremy um, and he um, asked people to stand if they needed any encouragement and then people came out and were just speaking words of encouragement over those people and how much of those actually encouragement were rooted in the things that people had been going through. Situations which were really horrible. I wouldn't wish upon anybody some of them and yet out of those, there was a huge amount of encouragement had come to other people. I can't explain it. I can't say it justifies it. But all I can see is that God brings actually good out of some of these situations, out of all of these situations. Comfort others with the comfort you have received, 2 Corinthians says. And nothing of who you are, even your weaknesses, disqualifies you coming to God with your eyes, with your arms wide open. In fact, I think sometimes actually, being conscious of our weaknesses helps us as we come to God. You remember in Matthew 19, it says to the, uh, the rich man, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to come into the kingdom of God. And sometimes I think when you know, we see those who are rich, who are self-sufficient, who've got it all together, it's hard for them to see their need of God. Sometimes we need to be humbled by being conscious of our own weaknesses in order then that God can lift us up. God wants your heart. I say we can look at others, can't we? We can compare. You know, well, if I was like Janair, if I had some kind of musical ability, well, then I could understand that, you know, God would really want me. No, actually, his passion, his heart is for each of us, for each of us uniquely. Chris, you know, only Chris is in the situation that Chris is in, carrying the things that Chris does. Chris actually can be a blessing in an environment that none of the others of us will touch. It's amazing, isn't it, that each of us is chosen individually by God. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. I just called Jules' eye. Yeah, fearfully and wonderfully made. And then the last few verses, verse 19. We, talk, we often hear God, refer, uh, David referred to a man after God's heart. And we see something of that here in these last few verses. Verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. These verses can sound harsh, can't they? slay the wicked hating and loathing but actually what we see here is god's justice the fact that god can't stand it can't stand yes, in the way of evil of oppression of abuse mistreatment of defense the defenseless and god's heart against those things is reflected in david's words here his cry for justice for evil to be dealt with And I think for us, as we draw closer to God, as God touches our heart, we start to cry out with his passion for Hastings, for 1066 country, for his kingdom to come. It's what intimacy with with God does. It brings us close to his heart. And then the psalmist ends, doesn't he, with verse 23 and 24, returning to that central theme, Search me, O God, and know me. See if there's anything in me. That place of complete openness before God. Just conscious, even as I was preparing within, careful, within my family, there's kind of people now at the moment just kind of, I think, looking at the decisions they're making and I was thinking, you know, that is basically not in line with the Bible. It's basically sinful. And... See situations developing, and obviously I'm unhappy because I think it's a, not a good rela- not a good decisions that are being made. But worries what worries me more, in a sense, is I think what's actually that doing to your relationship with God? You know, if you are living in that place that's not the right place for you, it's going to be uncomfortable when you come to church and someone says, "Oh, how are you doing? And how's that thing working out?" Oh, well, um. And it sort of pushes you away from God, doesn't it? You know, how do you come and pray when you're carrying those areas of disobedience in your life? And so for me, it's kind of, well, it's a good drive to prayer at the moment and, you know, I look to see things improve. It's it's not like mass murder. It's not the worst of kind of sins, if you like. But still, it just concerns me so much that actually what it leads to is that path of drifting away from God, not being in a good place, not being able to come into that place of openness for him, to him. And I think we can all become good sometimes at just hardening our hearts. Well, yeah, I'm not hearing your voice in that area, Lord God. I, I'm not ready for that yet. Just, you know, yeah, that area where God speaks to your conscience. No, I don't think I just want that yet. Thank you very much. But actually, God wants to speak into all of those areas of our life. He wants to call us back. It's only then that we come to that place of just... Complete openness before him, doing what pleases our Father. Coming into that place of intimacy and knowledge that David knew. We know in a sense that all of this, our relationship with God will be partial whilst we're on this earth. But it's a foretaste of what's to come. 1 Corinthians 13 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. God knows you completely. Think back to Adam and Eve. Don't try and hide from God. Don't try and keep those areas hidden from him. Let him into every thought, every emotion, every plan, every desire. Joe and Janair are going to come up and uh, we're just going to sing a song just to reflect and to respond really to what I've been saying today. Think back to what Bonnie brought to us earlier, what Judy too, that call from God, the God who pursues us to press into him. There are areas maybe that God's highlighted to you today. Well, yeah, Lord, that's just been a bit too difficult. Maybe today is the chance when actually we come to God afresh and we say, no, Lord, every area, every area of my life, is open to you. I want you to come and work even in those deep areas, those areas that have been hidden for so long. Bring your healing. Bring your touch. Even into those open those areas. Good. Let's we're gonna sing. What are we gonna sing? How he loves us. Mm. Lord God, I just pray, even now as we just come to you afresh, Lord, as we just Turn our eyes to you and just to sing this song together, Lord God. I pray, Holy Spirit, be working in our lives, Lord. Lord, we know you don't come to bring guilt and condemnation, but you come, Lord Jesus, to draw us to yourself. And I just pray now, just as we open ourselves to you afresh, speak clearly to us, draw out from us, Lord God, all that love and affection that you want, Lord God. We want to come to that place where there's nothing. There's nothing, Lord God, that would stand in the way of the deepest intimacy with you, Lord God. The God who loves us passionately, who draws us to himself, who embraces us with your arms. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Please stand. god we thank you for your love for us lord god we thank you that your son given to us Lord jesus was just an expression of the father's love towards each one of us the expression of his desire that we might be able to stand open cleansed forgiven covered by the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to us. Thank you, Lord, that we now stand in that place. Lord, secure, transformed, redeemed, brought into fellowship with our Father. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace upon our lives. Amen. Amen. We're going to be closing there, but if anything that you feel you want to respond further, um, particularly maybe something out of Bonnie's word about feeling in darkness. Um, we've got some oil here. We may use that It's just a way of bringing you through. So if you want prayer for anything at, that has come out of what we said today, do feel free to come forward. The ministry team will gather at the front here and be ready to pray with you. Apart from that, have a good rest of the day. Don't forget the snowflake table out in the coffee box. Um, Andrew and George will be heading out there, ready to talk to you about Snowflake. But uh, thank you for being with us. And uh, if you're visitors, enjoy the rest of your time. Just one last thing as well. We just had a picture as well of a broken heart. And uh, the picture is that we feel that it's maybe one or two people here that have been going with God in the past but have gone away from God and God's heart is breaking for them. So it doesn't matter how far you feel you are from God, we, d- we don't want to lose this opportunity for you to respond this morning. So if you want to invite Jesus into your life or back into your life, if you feel you've gone away, God's heart is breaking for you. Sarah and myself, we'd love to pray with you this morning so you can come down as well. Okay, have a great week and we look forward to seeing you next week.